Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we are very grateful for your word and we're grateful for these opportunities to open it up and look at a part of it that we don't maybe normally see, see what blessings can come to us over thousands of years, but from your spirit, in your son's name, amen. Really is uh, 3,000 years from this text to you. It's amazing that something called Christianity gathers together um, weekly all over the world to pull up minimally 2,000-year-old texts to meditate on it, study it, teach it. Jake and I were talking uh, months ago, I guess it was, about this and how if the Bible is not the Word of God, it is the most amazing thing in history, period. <laughs> it's just that amazing. Um, but here we are looking at a Psalm of David, 138 this morning. <laughs> it's not a long Psalm, it's eight verses long. One of those that doesn't say something starkly enough that you jump to it as your psalm for that comment is not messianic. <clears throat> but as I read through it, when you read through something that seems like it's going by your eyes in a very uh, dull way, you know, God words are being thrown in there. Uh, praise, thanks, oh God, and you're and you're doing your requisite reading for the day as you see it. And what are you supposed to be seeing there? We so often let scriptures that are dull get past. What am I supposed to be seeing? Why did God lay this down? Later on in Romans 1, you know the passage where it says they did, I have the passage here on the left hand side, Romans 1.21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. David here in Psalm 138 is doing the reverse. It's, a, it's sort of a, a lesson of how he thinks when he's thinking of honoring God and giving thanks to God. Here's a guy who's got a book in the Bible full of praise songs that he wrote to God, expressing his fears, expressing his doubts, expressing his glorying in God. We have this great opportunity to see how this good thing is done. Because he says, I give thanks to thee, O Lord, with my whole heart, before the gods, I sing thy praise. He is honoring God, and he is giving him thanks. But as I thought about it, you know, as I, I was saying, okay, what, if I were to be doing something like this, if you're, you know, sitting on your porch or your back stoop or your whatever it is you got thinking about thanking God and praising him 
You very quickly get to what it is you're praising him for, what you're thanking him for, what you are honoring in God, and you start to hear what your relationship with God is about, what you noticed about your God. And I think, you know, I'm, I like capitalism. I never was a good businessman, but I like capitalism. I like the ability to go to Walmart and buy something cheap. I like to see people do well in business. It always is satisfied. I never did well in business, but I like to see other people do well in business. It's a treat for me. And our whole society, because of good Scots-Irish principles, um, developed economic institutions and Walmart, Costco, and my birthday cake, two-pack, came from Costco. It's amazing that we're able to do that. And sometimes when you're, I can remember a few years ago, lying in my bed, remembering one point in my life many years earlier, lying on the concrete floor of a gas station in Hacumba, California, trying to sleep. And then remembering, no, but I'm in my bed tonight with a roof over my head. And I was thankful. I thanked God. I, I drifted away from drifting off to sleep and drifted into prayer and thanked God for that bed. Now, I think that's good to do. But as Americans, we sometimes measure our thanksgivings according to the stuff. You look at the stuff you've got. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for that jet ski. If any of you have one of those. Thank you, Jesus, for the bed, for the new car, for the... And those are right to thank God for. But in our mind as a culture, we might only measure thanksgiving according to the uh, consumerist good we've reached. As I wallowed in my presence, and I did wallow in them, rolling about on the floor, it was satisfying. I had I, been given things by my friends. Thank you, by the way. But given things by my friends, and it was a good thing. Now, here's the danger. If your thanksgiving and your honor to God is limited to the stuff you have been given, when you do not have stuff, when you've been denied, when life goes south on you, when things go, cur you know, throw you a curve, you don't have the kind of relationship with who God is. Your thanksgiving is not rooted in everything you could have thanked God for. You were right to thank him for your bed, your jet ski, the presents at your birthday party. You were right to thank him. I've had my family, you know, clustered about my knees. Because we sit around that way at the home. I have a big throne. And my children sit there like this, honoring me. It's been nice. Good week. Little grandkids, little pieces of sin that they are. They they got to get saved. But it was great having them. Good times. 
It was a party if you weren't there, and a few of you weren't. Maya, mostly. Who else wasn't there? Larson's. Them. I accuse. But those of us who were there, we know it was a party of legend. And being thankful for that is not hard. We have to be reminded even then to thank God because we're mostly thanking our friends for thank you for that gift, thank you for this. But our God in heaven has provided circumstances where we have been given good things. I give thanks to thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing thy praise. I bow down toward thy holy temple and give thanks to thy name for thy steadfast love and thy faithfulness. Look at what David thinks of. He has seen who God is, not just what David has been given by God. I'm sure the steadfast love of God and the faithfulness of God was the reason, uh, expressed itself sometimes in the good things David was given. But God, he knew, was loving and steadfast when David lost everything, when his own son rebelled against him. Look at that. I give thanks to thy name for thy steadfast love, thy faithfulness, for thou hast exalted above everything thy name and thy word. Here's the slight difference. Not only are we incomplete in what we thank God for, it's just the temptation of the culture, but being incomplete, if I think about what I have received and my life keeps going on nicely and I keep receiving good things because I work and I pay my bills and I treat my neighbors nicely and things go on well, I never get thrown into the situation where my Christianity has to stand before persecution and you're seeing Christians being persecuted around the country, a lot more, around the world, a lot more vividly. And you're beginning to wonder how much we talked over this week as a family over the threats of liberalism, uh, the moral liberalism that's trying to make wrong right. At what point does it try to attack the believers? When things start to go bad for you, it's not going to be the stuff you have. It's going to be his name and his word. Because I see a lot of Christians when they've been thankful to God for all the good times that went by them and then one lousy thing shows up, one problem period and they go back to God and they start having all sorts of, God why are you doing this? Why are you this way? Why are you... They haven't learned who he is. We give thanks to God not just because he gave us stuff. We learned about him because he gave us stuff. We learned about his steadfast love. We learned about his faithfulness. <coughs> so I could be thankful and praise him, honor him, regardless. St. Paul gets his head chopped off. You know, beheadings are very, are, they're very cool right now. Paul got his head chopped off. 
by a pagan state who did not really like the way he spoke to Emperor Nero. You, I don't know if you ever thought about getting your head chopped off. I don't know if you ever watched those ISIS videos of them cutting those people's heads off, but it's not a good thing. Don't, you don't say, hey, that's the way I want to go out. Getting my head chopped off. St. Paul knew it was coming. He was counting it as a credit. He had come to know Christ and God through Christ in such a way that who God is is your thanksgiving. Who God is for thy great glory. Not for all the good things you've done for me. Christianity is not merely some you know, ticket to a good life and you could be thankful to Jesus as long as the ticket got paid. It's learning who the God is, his name and his word. Verse 3, on the day I called, thou didst answer me. My strength of soul, thou didst increase. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, for they have heard the words of thy mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. To add to that, his name, his word, his ways. This book is filled with an amazing introduction through all sorts of avenues, poetry, prophecy, history, all sorts of ways, teaching, didactic, philosophy, to know this Lord, his name, his word, his ways. I deal with, with some regularity, Christians who are, I had a young man drive down from Coeur d'Alene last week um, and uh, just came by the house and said, hey, I've got some questions, I've got some doubts. What do I do about this? What do I do about that? What do I do about this? Very natural, young people especially. They're, made, they're deciding where they're, whether they're going to meet a, a Thanksgiving that is based on everything coming out right for them or because God is true. Are you thankful because God is true, regardless of what happens to you? Is your knee bowed toward him, or did he have to bow his knee to you? Because that's what starts to happen to your mind. If you're waiting your thanksgiving, your honor to him always waits for you to be served in some way, you to be rewarded in some way. When it doesn't happen, God has failed you. Doubt is natural. But it's not a good thing. It's a question, and you should answer what's going on. What did I learn of this God? His ways. What, what's he like? Have you made a study of this book in such a way that you could say, these are the ways of God. This is the word of God. This is the name of God. Now, they praise him, the kings do. When they hear the highest in the world, as, they, as David could imagine it, he was a king, other kings were the other highest agents in the world. And he could say, they will praise you when they hear your words, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, 
because the glory of the Lord is great. When you look at the word of God and you see what he has done, do you find yourself bothered by him? Does he bug the heck out of you? Well, I don't know about, you know, Jericho. I mean, he had a lot of people killed. And even the non-believers know that when they come in to argue with you. You know, you guys might complain about the Muslims, but boy, ancient, ancient Judaism and Christianity weren't any slouches either about beheading people or about killing lots of people. Read the text. Is that the God you want to serve? Don't pretend you can issue yourself a Jesus that is the way you want him to be. Say, is that the way of the God? Am I thankful for the way that he is? Do I see the glory in what he is? You know, if your life was going well, it's hard to foment doubt in the evangelical church in America where everything economically is going well. All of the doubts that you might have don't really resonate with you because a difficult God can be accepted as long as you get your stuff. Usually it's when things start to go south on you. And what does that mean? Because in this choice of... It's amazing how even in... A good, a good thing. Thanking God for good things is what you should do. But there is a temptation in every circumstance that, that stands next to you. You know, it's temptations to sin are sure to come. And they will come right at the edge of a good thing. Have you ever read Lewis on screw tape letters? It's brilliant because there's just so many interesting little asides he could pull temptations out of. So, such normal life. And there is a temptation out of thanking God for good things that he gave you. That you start to think that your religion is pointed towards you. Not you pointed towards God. Because Jesus Christ came to reconcile you, the failure, to God, the non-failure. That's the point of our religion, right? He is trying to reconcile you to the Father. And when we start to measure our life and our thanksgiving and our praise on the good things God has given us, we can end up uppity, conceited. In the next, the next verse, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. If we don't learn to bow to the God as the God is. I skipped over that comment in verse 1, before the gods I sing thy praise. I know there's a weird, kind of weirdness there. What other gods? We have come to this God, Yahweh, and his son Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit, Whatever you, however you want to describe the Trinity, however you want to describe the God, that is the God expressed in this word. These are his ways. You need to know about him that he regards the lowly. 
And he knows about the haughty, but from a distance. He doesn't have fellowship with the haughty. Now, it's natural for us to think that the lowly are the poor. You're not lowly because you're poor. A lot of the poor shake their fist at heaven like they were in charge of their life. Shake their fist at God because God didn't have things turn out for them. They're the haughty. A lot of the rich are haughty. A lot of the poor are haughty. The lowly are those who see the glory of the Lord, who see the ways of the Lord, see the word of the Lord, and in that give thanks. And in that honor him for who he is, not what he did for you. For who he is, not what he did for you. Because sometimes it's so easy to be so thankful to God when he did something for you, but the exact same thing he did for someone else doesn't touch you much more. You're not rejoicing that God did X for somebody. Well, because we're not about him being a certain way, we're about who is the centerpiece of this religious moment. And if we find ourselves that centerpiece, we're the haughty and we find we don't know God really because his knowledge of you is from a distance. The old adage of, you know, the kind of the girl was so ugly that she had marks on her for being touched with a 10-foot pole. You know, God's got you at the end of a 10-foot pole as the haughty. He said, I know you, but I, we're not on hugging relationships. We're not close. We're not, what do you people call besties? He's not besties with the haughty. He regards the lowly. Although he is high, though I walk in the midst of trouble. That's what sort of spun it for me as I was reading through this, that line there. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Our Lord went to the garden before he went to the cross and pled with God, if there was another way this could be done, he would like to go that way instead. I would like not to have to do this. He was troubled. And he said, not my will, but thine be done. We know, as we build our thanksgiving, our honor, our praise of God, our understanding of who it is, what is thrilling us? Or is his name, is his word, are his ways thrilling you? If you ever wonder why when I do this, his word, his ways, and his name. Why did he do, why did he do, because I fat, my hand is too fat. I can't reach my finger to hold it down. It needs to do the things you learn. So three gets that way. Now you don't remember the three things because you're too, he's got fat hands. The name of God, the word of God, the ways of God. That makes you ready to be in the garden like Christ and be able to ask God for preservation. Lord, have this happen some other way. If there's some other way that I can take care of the sin of man, not have to die this death, I would like that, please. The most righteous person, maker of heaven and earth, God himself, praying to God himself, 
asking to be let out of a job if there was some other way. You would think that he had enough faith. You would think that there was no problem in the Lord's Prayer that he prayed. But he knew his God. He knew who had sent him. He knew what the ways were. He knew what the word was. And it was his will that mattered, not your will, not your reward, not Christ getting it the way he wanted it, but Christ bowing the knee and asking that God have it the way he wanted it. Do you pray, would you ask for something of the Lord, and you say, Lord, but not, not my will, thy will be done. Are you doing that as an excuse to get out of finding out that your prayer life is ineffective, so you're always giving God a way out? Or do you really want God's way to be carried out? Because you have come to know him, like the kings of the earth. When they hear the words of his mouth, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. Has he made that kind of impression on you? Or every time you read through the Old Testament or the New, you're going, I don't know if I like this God. Does he not match what you're looking for in a God? Or is he everything a God should be? Though you walk in the midst of trouble like David, thou dost preserve my life. Thou dost stretch out thy hand against the wrath of my enemies. And thy right hand delivers me. The hand of God. Because I have come to know this God, I can look for that hand that regardless what happens, because the hand of God the hand of God is not you getting the jet ski and the party. Sometimes it is. It isn't everyone finding out that, yeah, you were the cool one in that circumstance. Yeah, you were right in that argument. You, no one, people might never know. You could go to your grave with people thinking, what a turd. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. You might never get what you want. Jesus didn't get what he wanted. But he had a higher want that God would be glorified. God's hand you're giving yourself over into. David is praying, giving thanks to God, putting himself in that hands that his life be preserved against his enemies. And God's hand is what he's willing to put himself into because he... He understands the loving kindness and the faithfulness of that God. He understands the ways that no matter what would happen to him next, he's willing to ride that pony. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Thy steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do you know who he is? what kind of God he is. That in trouble and with enemies, you have deliverance and faithfulness. And you might not always understand it, how it's going to, be, how it's going to come out. Some Christians standing in front of the lions on, in the first century could have had somebody say, well, where is your God now, O oh man? Well, that's what he said to Jesus, right, on the cross. If you were the Son of God... Get yourself down to there, bucko. But he was busy serving the ways of God. 
And when you have become lowly, he has regard for you as you regard his ways and his name and his words. And you put yourself in the position where you can take anything they throw at you. They could take everything away from you, everything you worked so hard to get. It could be economic persecution. It could be physical persecution. But you know your God. His steadfast love endures forever. And then he says at the end, do not forsake the work of thy hands. Where you encourage God, like David, to do what he does and what he does best because he is a God of steadfast love, because he is a God of faithfulness. And what he is going to do sometimes makes Jesus get crucified. Sometimes what he is going to do, the Christians are going to die. We weren't told to come down here and win. God won. We're, come down, we're down here to represent this God to the world. The Lord knows how to. I have this passage from 1 Peter that just jumped out at me when I was thinking about the passage. Verse 9 there it says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trial. And he has just looked back at some Old Testament circumstances. Our God is a loving, kind God. Our God is a faithful God. He cares for his people. And the way you view him, the way you stand before him, is going to affect how you can pray in, a, in such a way that all circumstances that God is going to do, you're fine with. God's hand is at work. This is his job. Do you want him to be doing his job the way God, this kind of God, does his job? Do you know who it is you have found in Jesus Christ? We're not writing up our own Jesus where we get to make him as kind of to match our political outlooks, match our cultural outlooks, our artistic sensibilities, whatever it is. We don't, don't get that privilege. This is an infinite being who has existed time immemorial and will exist. And we have met him in history in this circumstance. And you either like him or you don't. You either praise him for who he is you either looked at his word, you've looked at his ways, you've looked at his name, and you said, this is glory. This is worth singing about. This is what I thank and praise. And then and then only is the Romans one protection alive for you. Because you've taken God as he is and thanked him. You've taken God as he is and honored him. Otherwise, you're given up to the futility of your mind. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. that we can come to know you as close as we can, as many things as we can learn from your word. We're grateful for those things. We want to know more. We want to be introduced to you, that we can be confident in your steadfast love, your faithfulness, your name, your word, and your ways, that your people would be able to sing your praises In your son's name, amen.
I know you don't know what to do with yourself. I could preach another short sermon.